uh, our discipleship series. Have you enjoyed the series so far? If you haven't been a part of it, today is part five. Everything's on the website, and I want to encourage you, go back and check it out. Pastor, I want to say thank you to you, not only for letting me be a part of this series and speaking, but for leading this charge for our church. What an important time. I pray that you're hearing this message, not just from... Um, each message, but from the heart of our pastors, that this is our desire for the church. This is our desire for people, that we would grow from being believers to disciples. Everybody say disciples. And so if you're just catching up with us today or you're joining them for the very first time online, go back and watch. In part one, pastor talked about the importance of, of being passionately committed to Jesus. And we talked about this whole series is titled The Price of Discipleship. Disciples are passionately committed to Jesus. We talked about part two, that you have to have an extraordinary love for people. You can't follow Jesus and not love people. Something's missing in your, in your walk with the Lord. If you say, I'm, I'm a believer, I'm a disciple, but you really don't get along with people or have an extraordinary love for all kinds of people, that's the price of discipleship. Week three, Pastor Tom brought an amazing message about the heart of a servant, that we are equipped for a purpose. You know, this isn't just a one-way ticket to heaven. Well, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. That's amazing. Good for you. But this is bigger than you. This, this, this thing that we've received, this freedom, this joy, this peace, this grace, it's on us and in us to serve others that we can plunder hell and populate heaven. Amen. I brought some of my cheering section with me, so y'all going to have to help me today. I want to preach a little bit, all right? And then last, the last part, part four, I talked about the true disciples are sensitive and submitted to the Holy Spirit. I like the way Pastor Verna shared it with me years ago. He's the guide inside. He's been given to us. Jesus said, I got to go so you can get this power and this direction. And that's what disciples do. We follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And today, everybody say part five. We're in part five. We're going to be talking about a disciple is governed by the authority of God's word. Disciples are governed by the authority of God's word. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that, that your word is forever settled in heaven. It's never changing. Lord, that the biblical truths that we read about today and that we share about, they're applicable in our life right now in this season. Holy Spirit, I ask you to give me boldness, clarity. Give me peace as I preach your word today. Lord, I pray for each and every person in this house and all those watching online that their hearts are open to receive exactly what you'd have them to hear. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. We live in such a crazy world. I was thinking about my, my two-year-old daughter. She knows how to swipe an iPad. How wild is this? She's, she's saying to me, iPad, iPad, iPad. And my son's grabbing my phones. He, he knows how to open it. I caught him the other day. They were taking selfies on the porch, my six-year-old and my two-year-old. And I'm thinking, what's the world come to, right? Any parents agree with me? Uh, these devices are taking over a good portion of our life. And truthfully, I don't know that it's making us that much smarter. <laughs> you know, we have a device. Most of us have a, an iPhone or an Android, and it's in our pocket at all times. Pastor was this morning left his phone at home, and I said, you may call somebody, you may get it. And he said, I'm good. It's, I'm good without it. And I thought, I'm freaking out if I don't have that phone in my pocket. Y'all get that? That FOMO fear of missing out. Somebody's going to text me. Somebody's going to tweet me. Somebody's going to comment. Somebody's going to like and I'm going to miss it. And I think what's happened is, is we've now taken um, this too far. 
especially as believers, because it seems like life's solutions now and the answers that we look for, we're relying on Siri more than we are the Holy Spirit. My son, the other day in the car, he said, Mom, who, who do you think was the first person to read the Bible and then give their heart to Jesus because they read the Bible? He's six, guys. And she said, I, I, don't, I have no idea. I don't know if, if we'll know until we get to the other side. And he said, well, when we get home, we'll ask Daddy. He'll know. He's a pastor. <laughs> and she said, well, son, he's, he's a pastor, but he ain't that smart. And his, his response was, well, let's just ask Siri. My son thinks that Siri has the solution to everything. And the truth is, is we have begun as a society to rely on the knowledge of a device more than the knowledge of the word. We have the ability through our phones and pads and devices to connect with family, friends, and followers at any time about anything. You can get educated on any topic you want by going to YouTube. It's, it's, it's gardening season, by the way. If y'all know me, I like to plant gardens. So it's, it's, it's the time where I'm looking to find out what do I need to put on the jalapenos? Anybody like hot peppers? What, what do I, what's the special sauce? I need a special sauce. Anybody like that message? If you, the, the special sauce for the, uh, for, the, uh, for the tomatoes this year. And we can dumb ourselves down to where we take all of our advice and all of our wisdom and all, our, all of our knowledge is now coming from phones and devices. And truly, we have no idea who put that information on those devices. And as believers, as disciples, we're called to live by the governing power of the word of God, not what somebody says on YouTube. Can I get a good amen this morning? You know, you can go to YouTube and get a variation of political views Gardening views, how to raise your kids, how to be a better spouse, what kind of car you should drive, where you should invest your money. And the truth is, is God is calling us as believers up to a place of discipleship that says the word of God is the final authority in my life, not YouTube. The word of God is the final authority in my life, not the internet. Not some blogger, not somebody else that's got, you know, a, a huge following. There's a term right now that goes around, and if you're on social media, the term is influencer. And we're taking the advice of influencers more than we are the word of God. Let me tell you something. We're headed for trouble because somebody has a million followers on YouTube or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat. Listen, it doesn't make them a pro. It just gives them a platform. And I want to just say this right here at the beginning. We've got to be so careful with our young people that we don't allow them to gain information about life's choices and decisions based on some influencer that they're following on social media, based on some YouTube subscription that comes directly to their phone. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we've got to decide once and for all, the word has the final authority in my life for me and my house. And I want to challenge you in this summer as we're opening back up that you don't spread out and let your kids run off and do a bunch of crazy stuff. Now's the time to still gather together and set some new paradigms for our households because we've chosen to follow Jesus. Amen. Some people have become a little bit too naive, assuming that just because it's on Facebook that it's the real deal. Well, you know, it was on, I saw it on Facebook. Listen, I'm, I'm governed by more than Facebook and what comes through this feed. But the truth is, is there's this, this naivety didn't start just when Facebook happened or when social media happened. Naivety's been happening since the first people were created on this planet. 
And I want to show this to you how the devil wants to twist and contort to get you to think that God said something other than what he really said in his word. Are you still with me? I'm going to preach myself dry today. I'm, I'm excited about being here. The, 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 the beginning, Genesis, we find Adam and Eve, God's perfect couple, living in this beautiful garden. They have no needs. Everything's taken care of. The Bible says that they had fulfillment and joy in the work that they were given. Man, if that alone depicts what our lives should look like compared to today, that's a biblical truth that we need to settle in our heart. That's God's plan for our lives, that we would do work, be fulfilled, and have joy. Are you with me? But for whatever reason, God gave them only one command. And let's look at this in Genesis chapter 2. In 2.16, it said, but the Lord God warned him, talking about Adam, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden. Accept the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for if you eat its fruit, surely you should die. To me, this is pretty cut and clear, right? I mean, it's pretty simple. It's not ambiguous. It's not complicated. It's pretty straightforward. You can have everything else. Just don't eat of this tree. But then sometime later, Satan comes. Look at this in Genesis chapter 3, and he, he's sneaky. He says, oh, this is the way the enemy does this. He's a deceiver. And he comes to Eve and he said, did God really say that? Catch this right here at the beginning in my introduction, because this is what we're going to talk about. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? He's trying to trip her up. He's trying to snare her. He's trying to snag her. And of course, she responds by misquoting God. She says, of course, we can eat from the trees in the garden. It's only the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. I want to just say this right here at the beginning. Secondhand knowledge will get you in trouble. She wasn't even there when the Lord spoke to Adam. She hadn't even been created. She took Adam's word and now she's misquoting God back to the devil and saying, don't even touch it. Don't even eat it. And this is where the, the, the enemy takes advantage of her lack of understanding of her lack of wisdom or her lack of clarity. He says in verse four, for you won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. You know, this isn't some just ancient story. This is a scheme and an attack of the enemy from day one, and it's still his number one scheme and attack right now in today's society. And the question remains the same, and he sneaks in and asks us this in many different ways as we are on this process of becoming a believer to a disciple where we've just received to where we're growing. And the question is this, did God really say that? Did God really say that? It's the question that he's asking us about our choices and our decisions and the way that we live our life. Listen, even when God's commands are crystal clear, I got to be honest with you, sometimes I do like Adam and Eve, and I'm sure you do too. We rationalize. We start thinking about, well, you know, I don't really know if he said that. And the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, be careful about that. Don't, bah, careful. He's giving us direction. And all of a sudden, we begin to make excuses. We minimize. And sometimes we even deny that God even gave us instructions at all. What is that? That's our flesh talking. I want to get, I'm going to fast forward. You have to understand we're, we're a three-part being, a three-part being. You're a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Say it with me. I am a spirit, 
I have a soul and I live in a body. And when you recognize that, you'll understand that when these questions come up of, did God really say that? You'll understand that's your soul, that's your flesh talking to you, trying to get you to question what your spirit already knows as truth. One of the biggest differences between believers and disciples is this. Believers attend church, they read their Bibles and pray. They go to Bible studies, they worship in service, and they appear devoted followers until... God's commands conflict with their goals of happiness and prosperity. And at that time, they asked themselves, did God really say that? But here's where disciples are different. Disciples see the truth of the Bible. Stop right there. They see the Bible as truth. Disciples see this as the governing factor. They see it as his perfect message to them, even when it makes them uncomfortable. For a disciple is governed by the authority of of God's word. For a disciple, the word of God has the final authority. For a disciple, the question is, what does the Bible say? I grew up in a house with a, a pastor that raised us. When, when we would begin to talk about this or that, his response to us as kids was, well, what does the Bible say? Well, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? And we always were brought back to, in our house, the, the, the authority that governed our lives was the word of God. Paul talked about this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and he said this, he said, I thank God also continually for you because you received the word of God, which you heard from us. You accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is. Listen to that, not just as a human word, some preacher saying it, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Paul was saying, this makes me excited. You've gone from just being a believer to true discipleship. You're taking the word as an anchor. You're setting it as a foundation. You're taking it as it actually is, and you're basing your life upon it. See, listen, I want to say this to you clearly today. If you're going to make the shift from being a believer to a disciple, you have to change your perspective. You have to change your governing belief system. For some of us, we think that being a, a believer and going to discipleship means we just got to get rid of all of our worldly friends. And that's a good start. But the truth is you can change your friends and not change your belief system and still be stuck in this segment of life when God really wants you to be in this segment of life. The true goal of, of discipleship is, pro, is a process. I said this to you a few weeks ago that, that every one of us are on a journey. Whether you're saved getting ready to get saved, whether you've been saved for 20 years, 25 years, or 200 years, every one of us are in a process of becoming more like Christ. And for us during the series is for us to ask ourselves, where am I in my relationship with the Lord? Where am I at in this process? And have I become comfortable? Because the Bible, this, 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 this story says that, that they took it as the word. This was the foundation. So let me jump to it today. I want to talk about some practical ways that disciples are governed by the authority of God's word. Y'all still glad you came today? Yeah. Number one, disciples exalt the word over their feelings. Disciples exalt the word of God over their feelings. I'll just be honest with you. Society right now is too touchy. So everybody's got triggers, man. You can't say that. Can't do that. You're going to upset them. They're going to be upset. Be careful what you say. We're all 
so touchy right now because we're living out of our emotions and not a planted, rooted, firm foundation as the governing, ruling word of God in our life. Can I say this to you? As Christians, you're not called to be touchy. You don't live by your feelings. We're not moved by our emotions. We don't make decisions out of how I feel today because guess what? You make a decision on how you feel today and you wake up tomorrow feeling totally different. Regretting the decision you made yesterday, good or bad. Disciples are governed by the word of God, not their feelings. A disciple recognizes that his feelings or her feelings are indicators of where they are in their discipleship process. A disciple, though, doesn't just let his feelings dictate what he does or she does. They determine a response to the feelings based on the word of God. And this is the response. Well, that's how I'm feeling, but what does the Bible say? If we're going to move from believer to disciple, it's not about pushing down our emotions or pushing down our feelings. I believe in speaking our feelings. Because they're indicators. They define where you are and what you need to pray for. But it goes beyond that for a believer of defining, hey, this is how I feel, but this is what the word says. And if we're going to make this transition from believer to discipleship, that has to be the paradigm shift. Understanding this, that God created us with motions, emotions, but they weren't meant to dictate your life. One of the greatest lessons I've had to learn in my life was how much voice I'm giving to my feelings and my emotions. Just be real with you. Your, your emotions and your feelings, they want to take over and rule every part of your life. And if we're not careful, we don't put some boundaries and some guardrails, we'll find ourselves at a place in life where we didn't expect ourselves, but it's because we gave voice to our feelings and we didn't give voice to the word. When I look back over, over my journey with the Lord, the, the times that were funky, the times that were, were sad, the times that were hard, where I was hurt, where I was depressed, where I was anxious, I was in those places, looking back now, not because of my feelings, but because I gave my feelings more voice than I did the promises in the word. The word is a response to your flesh. The word is a response to your situation. The word is the medication that changes your feelings. The word is the gospels. I'm not against taking pills for things, but listen, I want to take pills that help me naturally, but what about taking the gospels and putting them in my life? The only thing that can change our emotions is the word. Everything else is temporary. It's a temporary fix. The word of God for a disciple is the ultimate indicator of, hey, this, is, this may be how I'm feeling, but this is where I'm supposed to go. Whatever you speak the most is what will manifest in your life. Ask me how I know. Think back, and I wrote these words down the times where I was overwhelmed with hurt. I was overwhelmed because I kept giving voice to it. The times when I was overwhelmed with fear, it's because I kept voicing it. The times when I was overwhelmed by emotions of pain or betrayal, loneliness, anxiety, or depression was when I gave more voice to those feelings than I did what the Bible said about who I was as a son of God. 
Disciples have made a decision. We're not going to push our feelings down. We're not going to push our emotions down, but we're not going to allow them to dictate the decisions and the way we live. Your feelings are indicators of where you are, but the word is the map to where you need to be. Believers might say things like, I'm just trying to share my feelings, and then they just stop there because that's all they want to do. I just want to have a safe place to share my feelings, and I'm all about safe places to share feelings, but if that's where the conversation stops, that's where you stop. Disciples take those feelings and they weigh them against the word and then they begin to speak about where they see themselves through the eyes of faith. I love this idea that the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Because when we are overwhelmed by emotions, a lot of times as we sing in this song, it seems dark, it seems quiet, it seems lonely and that's what emotions do. They isolate you. The word of God, the governing force of a disciple. When you open the word, it casts light on your situation and says, yes, this is where you are, but this isn't where you're supposed to stay. This may be what's happening to you right now, but there's greatness ahead of you. Yes, this may be a hurdle, but there's a finish line ahead. The Holy Spirit through the word of God wants to cheer you on, but we've got to open the book and we've got to be governed by that, not by our feelings. Are y'all still glad you came today? The second way disciples are governed by the word is disciples move from being hearers to doers. When you make the decision that I'm following Jesus, you don't come to church trying to be impressed or moved. You ever left church and someone say, you know, I just wasn't feeling it today. I don't, I don't know if pastor was on his game. Seemed like he had a lot going on. I just didn't feel the worship, you know? I mean, they're up there dancing and shouting, and it just didn't, I just didn't feel it. You know, that's, that's what a believer would say, because they're going to be entertained and to be a spectator. But when we go to the life of a believer, I mean, to the disciple, guess what? I, I'm coming to engage. I, I'm not coming to church anymore worried about what pastor's going to bring, because I know that's going to be anointed. I'm more worried about myself. Am I ready to receive? A disciple doesn't want to be a spectator anymore. A disciple says, man, I want to get in the game. I, I want to learn. I want to act on what I've heard. Listen to this. James chapter, James chapter 1 says it this way. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself. You walk away. And forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for what? I, I did, for what? For listening to it. For coming to church. For showing up to small group. God's going to bless me because I, I put money in the bucket. He's going to bless me because of I'm a doer of the word. I want to just say, oh man, I got so much in my heart today for you. Listen, when you, when you really expect the blessing of God on your life, it's because you've been putting the word into practice as a foundation. It's the governing force over your life. But so many people are misled to say, well, I, I, I heard that and I heard this and I heard that and it just don't work for me. Listen, it doesn't just work for us when we hear it. It works for us when we hear it and then when we do it. 
I love looking down here. Pastor's taking notes today. And every week I'm preaching, he's down here. Pastor Verna's taking notes. And it, it says something to me. It's like, they're not just coming to have their, you know, their thing. What's the word I'm looking for? You know, they didn't come to be impressed. They came to grow. They came to learn. You know, a disciple takes notes and, and takes record of what is said that, that speaks to them. You know, I'll be honest with you. When I come to church, I, I don't write down everything pastor says. But I do come and say, and there's going to be something that's for me today. I come with this expectation that I don't know why, I don't even know what he's preaching, but Lord, I know he's got something for me. And, and I make these little notes to myself. And then during the week, I open the notebook during my prayer time and say, Lord, help me to be a doer of what I heard on Sunday. What is that? That's the heart of a disciple saying, I didn't just go to church, man. I am the church. I didn't just go to attend. I am part of what's happening. A disciple understands that we have to hear it and that we got to do it because my life means more than myself. Bible says that Jesus said, greater works shall they do after I'm gone. How are we going to do the works? We're going to have to do with what we heard through the word. Being a doer of the word means we must walk in love. It means we've got to honor God by tithing, treating our spouse with kindness, taking the Sabbath, having some rest, living generously, helping the needy, staying out of strife, using wisdom, extending forgiveness. You know what? These are basic principles that we hear about in this house on a regular basis. And I want to just challenge you. I want to step on your toes for a minute. Is this the life that we're doing outside of here? Because a disciple doesn't just let it go in one ear and out the other. A disciple says, wait a second. He said that is, I can't tell you how many times pastor would say this. And I would agree when we're out there greeting someone and say, oh, you were speaking right to me today, pastor. Oh, you wrote that message just for me. And I'd say, I, I have no idea what you're going through. What is that? That's the Lord speaking to you about something to do in your life. So you can take a step from being a believer towards being a disciple. Everybody say baby steps down the hallway. Yeah. Any what about Bob fans? Baby steps into the elevator. I like, I like this idea of just taking steps towards God. And as we come and we hear, we make these adjustments on the inside saying, Lord, thank you for reminding me again to this week, I'm going to do that at a greater level. Discipleship speaks of movement. Discipleship speaks of movement. It goes from hearing and being a spectator to being a participator. A few years ago, we were at our young adults fall retreat. And I felt like I needed to, to share a message about how to spend an hour with God. And if I asked these young adults, how many of you spend an hour with God a day? The hands were kind of like, oh. And a lot of us today, if I said, how many of you would spend an hour with God every day? You'd probably respond to me. I don't have an extra hour. And the Lord gave me this, this, this idea years ago from my own life because I was saying that I don't have a full hour, which is a complete lie. We all have an hour for priorities, Right? He said, Josh, I'm not asking for a full hour undivided, but what if you gave me 15-minute brackets and you gave me four of them during the day? And I shared this simple message about how I like to spend my time with God in compartmentalized 15-minute brackets. And the first one is I pray for 15 minutes in the morning. I just spend time praying in the spirit. Just, 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 Lord, what do you want to do today? Speak to me, lead me, be the guide inside. And then I take 15 minutes later and I read the word. And I read the chapters that I've set aside in my reading plan and Psalms and Proverbs for the day. And then the, the next segment is I take 15 minutes and I speak the word. 
I take what I read and, and what I prayed about and I declare it over my life and I declare it over my family and I declare it over you as our church family. And then the last 15 minutes, I just get quiet and, and I write. And I write what I'm learning, what he's speaking to me and the scriptures that stood out to me. And I remember sharing this with the young adults and it was, it was like the next day at the first session, I had young adults coming up and saying, oh my God, oh my God, I heard God speak to me yesterday. And I said, you did? And they said, I did it. I said, you did what? I took an hour yesterday with God. And I took the 15 minutes and I, and I prayed and I took the 15 minutes and I, and I read the word and I took the 15 minutes and I quoted the word and spoke it and declared it. And then I got quiet and man, it was like I couldn't stop writing because God was speaking to me. What was that? It was just a new revelation, a new understanding of, I don't want to just hear the word. I want to do the word. It was someone saying, Pastor, I'm going to take what you're doing and I'm going to apply it in my life. I'm going to take those 15-minute increments and with an expectation that God's going to show up and move me down the road into a greater relationship with him through discipleship. I'm going to say this to you. No matter where you're at, there's always another step. No matter where you are in your journey with God, there's always another step. There's always some way to, to grow more, to do more, to be more. And the Bible says it very clearly, when you make a decision to draw close to God, his money back guarantee is that he's going to draw near to you. And I want to just be kind, but say this in a very bold way. Most of us say, I'm waiting on God. And that's our religious response that we've heard other people say. But that's not the heart of the father. You're not waiting on God. He's waiting on you. I said, you're not waiting on God. He's waiting on you. The life of a disciple puts the car in drive and steps on the accelerator and says, Lord, I'm moving in this direction. If it's not the direction, you turn me. But I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to sit still. I'm going to do something, even if it's wrong, in the direction of what I've been learning and growing in. That's discipleship. And I want to challenge you. Find yourself in the series, where are you? And put the car out of park and put it into drive and say, I'm going to at least apply some of what I'm hearing. And I'll tell you this, God will meet you right where you are. Amen. Number three, disciples believe that God's word never fails regardless of the circumstance. I want to end here today because I think this is important and I want to pray for you as I close. We're moving from believer to disciple. The price of discipleship is this. It understands that, that God's word is never failing regardless of what's going on around me. A few years ago, pastor shared his definition of faith with our staff, and he's shared it here for 40 years, but when he said it this time with our staff, I'd heard it before, but it, it just went off like a light bulb in me. He said, faith is declaring that God's word is true no matter what any other information source may reveal. The life of a disciple says, I don't care what everybody else is saying, I believe the word. The life of a disciple says, I don't care what people will say about me, I'm going to live my life based on the word. In the lowest time of my life, I was struggling just in my mind, I was struggling with depression, I was struggling, struggling with some anxiety, fear, a lot of hurt, a lot of shame, just a whole bunch of stuff balled up together, and, and I felt the enemy saying, you know, did God really say that? Did God really call you? Is this really what you want to do with your life? And in the moment, those, those things, it was kind of like I was getting hit and you didn't know where you're getting hit from. 
And in that moment, I heard those voices like, you don't need to continue, do you? Yeah, maybe this pastor thing's too hard. It's too difficult. You understand everything you've gone through and blah, blah. And I started questioning, maybe God didn't say what he said to me when I was a teenager. Maybe I didn't hear God's voice correctly. Maybe those things that I was raised in weren't that. And I was telling this to a pastor friend through some counseling. And I'm going to say this, I believe in counseling, but it needs to be biblical counseling, by the way. You should get some counsel in your life. It's good to have outside perspective. I love the idea of having somebody else see something that you can't see, pointing it out, but make sure it's based on the word. And he said to me, he said, Josh, you're, you're making this a big deal. I said, it is a big deal. Don't you see what I'm in? Don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you see what they did to me? And he said, Josh, he said, you're making this a big deal. God only wants one thing from you. And I said, what's that? And he said, he just wants you to trust him. That's all he wants. God only wants you to trust him. But our flesh says, well, this is how I feel. And then our mind starts going into overtime because we don't think that God can see where we are. A disciple understands that God's word will never fail no matter what the situation says, no matter what the circumstances are that surround our lives. Hebrews chapter 11 is, is full of men and women whose faith endured. Their faith in God's word, the faith in the promises, they endured, even though many of them never received the promise. For a disciple, we're only going to believe as long as it works. As long as we can see, as long as we can feel it, we'll, we're in. But the moment it does it, I'm out. But a disciple says, no, no, no. I feel this way and this is going on around me, but God's faithful. I may be in this situation and yeah, it stinks and I don't like where I'm at, but, but I know God's gonna do what he said in his word. These guys were heroes. These women were heroes. The Bible says they had a confidence that even if God didn't show up in their lifetime, he would show up in the next. And it's time that the church of Jesus Christ understand that it's not all about this life. You're going to go through hurt. You're going to go through stress. You're going to go through formation of character. But don't put your blessing in God's timeline. There is no timeline. He's eternal. He was and is and will always be. Get ourselves out of our mindset that something has to happen in this season. Or else I'm going to walk away. No, no, no. Hold on. This is the time for us to anchor in and say, I'm just staying steady. I'm just staying steady. Isaiah 55 says it this way. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. The heavens higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, they make it bud and flourish. We're seeing that right now. So, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Verse 11 is his promise. So is my word. It's the same. It comes down and it goes out of my mouth and it will return not to me empty. For it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for where I sent it. Listen to this. True disciples are those who trust God in the dark. True disciples are those that trust God in the storm. True discipleship means trusting God even in the silence when you don't feel like he's speaking to you. How could I do that? You rule your life 
and let the Word of God be the governing factor. It means that the Word of God means more than CNN or Fox News or some Twitter post or some influencer. It's more than the enemy's lies to you. It's taking this and anchoring yourself in it understanding that I'm going to be a disciple and a follower and I'm going to trust him in the process in every season, in every situation, no matter what it looks like through my natural eyes. Here's the great thing. When you open the book, you'll find men and women that did this already. Noah built an ark when it had never rained. Abraham trusted when he thought he was going to have to sacrifice his son. Moses, with his enemy on his heels, Stretches forth the rod and the Red Sea parted. Joshua watching God's provision decade after decade. He took God's people into the promised land, not knowing what was on the other side and what would await them. Here's the great thing. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who are cheering you on to say, don't give up, just trust the word. Don't stop where you are. I know it seems dark. I know it seems quiet. I know you seem distressed and stressed. Don't give up. Be a disciple. Pursue. Step forward. Go forth in faith and obtain the promises that belong to us. I believe that's the word of the Lord for you today. No matter where you are, no matter how dark it is, he is the light in the darkness. Trust him even when you can't see it. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Can we we sing that? I want to pray for them just that one part about being light in the darkness. Listen to me, believers. Hallelujah. Listen to me. Let me just say this one last thing, and we're going to sing this. Disciples believe that Hebrews 4 is true. It says that the Word of God is living and powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword that has the ability to divide between your soul and your spirit. Disciples know that the Word of God is the foundation for his life. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. We're just going to close this service out in just a moment, but I want you to bow your heads right where you are, and I want you to examine your heart. I want you to examine your heart and ask the Lord to help you. Are you being moved by emotions or are you being moved by the word? Are you a hearer only or a doer? And the last one that you need to ask yourself is, will I trust God even though it doesn't seem like things are working out? I want you just to take a moment. We're going to sing this and just take this moment for yourself. Ask yourself those questions and then I want to pray for you. Let's pray.